Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. When real life becomes even more ridiculous than satire, then what role is there for comedians to play? And how should comedians talk about serious issues while still keeping their senses of humor? Those are two of the questions I pose to comedians on the front lines of the discussion and on the red carpet of the Golden Probes, a satirical award ceremony mocking misogyny. Among the comedians I chatted with, Comedy Central's Jordan Klepper and Dulce Sloan, Liz Winstead and Francesca Ramsey, Brian Unger, and Margaret Cho. So let's get to it! So Jordan, you you stopped doing your show because real life got too ridiculous. So at this point, you know, you're rebooting yourself for TV. I am. What, what do you think is, as you've had this, this time to ponder and, and think about it, what do you feel your role is as a comedian now? Well, what I'm excited about doing is I'm going out into the world, and so my, I, I'm a little Trump tired right now, and I, it feels like he gets a lot of air, and he is affecting a lot of people's lives, but there's also a lot of, a lot of people out there, a lot of heroes, a lot of villains, and a lot of stories that aren't being told. And so, personally, I'm going out into the world, and I'm trying to find those people, I'm trying to highlight those stories, I'm trying to interact there, outside of the scope of Donald Trump. How, how, how different is it from the field pieces you were doing for The Daily Show? It's going to be, it's, it's more me, which is something I've always been behind. But it's, uh, I'm, I'm dropping the character, and I'm, I, I'm still, I'm going to be myself out there. And I think, like, it's, it's going to be a lot less arch, and I think we're looking for the weird gray areas that exist in America today. And so we're, we're, not, we're not afraid to let things breathe, to let other voices be heard, and to kind of live in something that doesn't have to be an arch take for five minutes. We want to sit, and we kind of want to explore. What have, on, on that take, what have you learned from watching uh, Stephen Colbert's transition from Stephen Colbert, the character, to Stephen Colbert, the talk show host? I think it's always interesting. I think we're, we're at a time right now where you see people uh, responding to authenticity, and uh, they, want to, they want to know... They want to see the person behind the, uh, the glitz of the television screen, and so I think what I'm, what I'm taking from all of that moving forward is to be like, you know, I, I don't need to hide behind a character for this. I can kind of be a little bit more true. Thanks, Jordan. Great, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hi, nice to meet you. I actually met you at the um, comedy festival in Portland, Oregon, a couple of years ago. Oh, Bridgetown, yeah. No, 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 the one that was for women. <laughs> oh, uh, Al Jane. Yeah, Al Jane. So. Of course, that was that was the weekend that the Access Hollywood tape came out. Was that festival? Oh, Trump! Yeah. Yeah. And since the world has become more and more ridiculous in those two years, how do you feel your role has changed? Not just as a stand-up comedian, but also in the in the pieces that you do for the Daily Show. Um, my role hasn't changed. I've been doing the same thing the whole time. It's interesting because it's when I look at America, people think that it's oh this thing will get him, oh this thing will get him, and. That's we haven't found the thing yet. We haven't found the, you know, the woman who did the allegation that everyone cares about and changes their mind. He's not going to say anything because it's blind support. 
because if Trump is in a backlash for Obama, or people are mad because their president was black, then they're going to blindly follow this man because they're getting revenge on the country. So is there any role for a comedian in that kind of atmosphere? All you can do is just talk about your experiences, and that's it. You know, it's, I think it's less, we can all see what's happening, but you're going to see it through a lens. The fact that he coined the term fake news, and it's like, oh, well, the information that you've been getting your entire life, yeah, that's not real. And people are going, you're absolutely right. If we don't get it from this one source, then it's not real. So when you're dealing with people that will support that, then it's, I can only give my experience, as opposed to observing what's going on, I prefer to give my experience and how what's going on affects me. And I think that's the best way to do it for women and for people of color to show what's happening as opposed to, this sucks, yeah, we all know that. But how does that affect you? And I think that's the best way as comics to do it, is to talk about our personal experiences and relate that to, you know, the middle America audience. Because people always talk about, oh, middle America. No, it was the whole country voted for him. It wasn't those flyover states we all talk about. It wasn't just the South. It wasn't just part. It's, he won everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dulce Sloan. Thank you. Liz Winstead, you look glamorous. I feel glamorous. I have kind of a crazy um, Iris Apple meets we're going to take over the world look. It's my plan. Yeah, the world has gotten uh, has gone on a different path than, than you might have imagined when you started Lady Parts Justice. Actually, the world went on the exact path I thought it would, which is why I started Lady Parts Justice, because like a lot of people were like, when Trump took over, people were like, oh my God, what is really happening? And I was like, this has been happening for a long time, y'all. So we started it because state legislatures are garbage. Ah! <laughs> you look so beautiful. Wonderful. I'm so glad you're here. There's a lot of people. We're part of a feminist takeover. Yes. Have you been informed? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're in. Oh, I've been in. I feel like you are so in. I know. It's like all the time. It's like all the time. In fact, I wrote an article for Allure about like white women being like, I can't believe it. I'm like, we're like, what? welcome. Black women are like, it's Tuesday, bitch. <laughs> Let's do this. So I guess the, the the question from a comedy standpoint is, how do you keep it humorous when it's so dark out? When you see this many people looking for a way to take control and take things back, um, that gives you hope. You know, who the media focuses on, you know, I mean, for me personally, I get really annoyed when I see the Democratic Party trying to take credit for any of this, like, come to Jesus, because really, it's citizens in their living rooms who are organizing in a way that they have, and also black women constantly win elections, and then white women are like, thank you, black women. They're like, we didn't do it for you. We did it because fucking, why wouldn't you? It's our lives at stake. So... I feel really enthusiastic every time somebody is, I like to say awoken, because when I say woke, I feel like a douchebag, because like I'm woke. But when people get awoken to the issues and we see them, like there's hope. Also, when people are laughing, there's hope. That's what I feel like. 
So <laughs> <laughs> that's what, I'm what she said. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Do you do you think I've heard some people talk, and this is mostly uh, people I don't agree with on Facebook. I like say people say that's say favorite. say that um, you can't be a social justice warrior and be a comedian. Well, I think social justice warrior is like this weird pejorative that gets thrown at anybody that advocates for marginalized people. Like the idea of being a, a warrior for social justice as if it's a negative thing is weird. Like, yes, I think everyone deserves human rights. I will warrior for that thing. Um, I think that comedy is about speaking truth to power. And I think that people who I know and I respect, including Liz, that stand up for social justice are very funny because they are taking shots at the people who are in positions of power and they're using their voices to punch up. And I think that that's very funny. I think that people that, people that don't think that that is funny are the ones that are usually realizing that there's something, some truth in there that they needed to hear that was really about them and that's what makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, and I feel like the people who call out social justice warriors are people who are mad that they can't say the N-word and that like w- like life isn't okay for them anymore to exploit women and people of color. It's like, I never hear people calling out, um, like, if, if you really thought that you were being oppressed and that you were being censored, um, I never hear these same people trying to take down corporations or the biggest monolith of oppression, um, the American police department. Like, if you were so badass and you thought that we were, like, censoring your speech, you weren't taking on the man at all. And that's the part that I feel like, go fuck yourself. Has, has, I know know the answer for you, but has the political landscape changed the way you look at the content that you want to put out? Um, I'm very inspired by how many people have been motivated and activated by what's going on in the world right now. I think it's definitely the silver lining. But for me, this is work that I've been doing before Trump. It is work that I will continue doing after Trump because, unfortunately, a lot of these issues are not going to just dissipate when I'm going to speak into existence, when he's no longer in the White House. So it has not changed the work that I've been doing, but it has definitely shown me that it is incredibly important and has encouraged me to keep going. Thanks for your time. So, Brian, I know you've been part of the comedy scene for a while. And you've, you've known Liz for a while, too, haven't you? I have. Uh, Liz is, um, I blame her primarily for getting me into comedy. With The Daily Show. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I was a, like a legitimate journalist, and then she ruined my career. Now here I am. <laughs> so, as a, as a recovering journalist yeah, right. myself, how, when you look at the world and the political landscape as it is in October 2018... How do you find the comedy in it? Well, um, you know, the entire political landscape is kind of like, there are these ironic minds everywhere we walk, we step on irony. Um, And so I think the trick is to mine all of that irony, uh, write jokes that um, are funny and uh, not just mean. And um, don't exclude, but invite people to like understand something a little more than they did before they heard the joke. Um, and obviously laugh first and then find some, some information in it uh, later. I call that fun formation. Um, I, I, I find it, um, we're, we're, in a, we're in a very tricky time and, and, and it's weird because the, there is a language police out there that is... Um, almost trolling every aspect of digital media and um, waiting to pounce and waiting to exploit things for clickbait 
and um, and and there are there are people who are you know sort of getting you know their knees kneecaps whacked on both sides of the aisle for that uh, no matter where you stand so I find it weird that we're sort of in this kind of 1950s sort of um, you know what side are you on kind of mentality uh, and I think that's being driven mostly by a, by a very um, hungry profit-seeking digital media that just wants sound bites and clicks so if we're back in the 1950s do we need another Lenny Bruce uh, we need someone to kind of shatter the model. I don't know. Um, maybe. Um, you know, I, I loved Lenny Bruce before he got all sort of partisan and got, you know, um, you know, so, so, so preachy. But um, there, there, there are people, in, I suppose there's always room for, for comics who can go out and write a good joke um, that we can all love and speaks to truth you know, um, speaks to some truth about who we are and humanity and our culture right now. So um, I, I don't know what, what we need um, because it's becoming hard for people to, to, to stay in comedy unless you do the Trump joke du jour. I mean, there's really very limited territory for people to be creative, different, and vanguard right now, even though everybody wants that, you know. Right, to have sort of escapist jokes that are just silly or not dealing with the world. I don't know if it's necessarily, like, escapist. I think it's like, you know, I think everyone's sort of doing the same thing right now. And I'm not sure... uh, what the answer is, but I think commercially it's tough for other voices to kind of get in. Well, I look forward to editing this soundbite. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I'm sorry for that. I want to apologize right now for my long cut. Just, just fucking forget everything I just said. So, would you put out your song about wanting to kill the rapist? That was a year before the 2016 election and a couple years before social media started to catch up with you. How do you feel like... With the atmosphere the way it is, how do you how do you how do you feel audiences are receptive to to comedians who are willing to speak out? I think it's really important. I think that you know comedians have um, a responsibility to really be uh, the truth tellers in terms of society and to be able to uh, kind of speak up. And, and make things very plain and clear when other people can't, and especially other people in the entertainment industry and other people in the media. So I think it's really, I think it's really time. Um, I think that people overall really appreciate comedians who are talking about these things, these issues, and that they are coming forward. And I, I'm really grateful to have been able to do it kind of for a long time before this whole thing happened, but I think it's really great. What have you learned about dealing with audiences since that weekend at the Stress Factory a couple of years ago? Well, it's it's more that you have to be able to uh, kind of come at people without so much anger as opposed to really having good jokes about it. Like, having good jokes about it is actually what it's all about, you know, and, and trying to have uh, a sort of temper situations with humor. So how do you manage to maintain a sense of humor when you turn on the TV and it all seems so bleak? It is bleak, but also I think that's the best time to laugh, you know. I think that's when your gallows humor really comes 
to the foray, you know, that's where uh, we have an opportunity to be very skillful at what we do. You know, the darkest humor is often the funniest. Does does it make your humor even darker than it normally might be? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. Thanks, Margaret. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.